Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, and I wanted to give you all a quick update on my wife because I all know I know you all love her more than me. Anyway, um, for those of you that may be new, back in March, my wife was diagnosed with a brain tumor, um, and she uh, had lost the right side, the ability to move her right side. Um, and we have been fighting and fighting and praying and praying and praying, and um, I praise God she is making progress, um, and she is back to, yeah, praise God. Uh, and she is now like walking using a walker and that kind of stuff, uh, which is unbelievable. We visited a new doctor as, a, as a, a, another form of treatment that we're going to be taking in, and um, the doctor was just like, you don't understand how much of a miracle it is that you're alive right now. Um, and so, praise God, we do know that. Um, so... Well, this morning, uh, as we get into the sermon, we're going to be talking about uh, the idea of our words and what all we say. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think it's funny how much, uh, how little we actually remember as children and what all we do, what all we say as children. Um, I have very few memories. Uh, in kindergarten, I have three memories, one of which is highly frustrating. Um, I, I said a bad word in kindergarten and Mikey Cripps told on me. That's right, I still remember his first and last name. <laughs> Number one, Mikey. Um, if you're watching this, you probably go by Michael now because you're not in kindergarten anymore. Um, number two, I have forgiven you, but I have not forgotten. Um, so there's that. <clears throat> um, yeah, so uh, kindergarten, I don't remember all of the situation that happened. I just remember we were playing with something, you know, probably blocks or something like that, whatever kindergartners do. And... Um, somebody said something, and, and my response was, that's bull hunky. I, I hate to say it, but I mean, that's, that's the real language, you know, I mean, that I used. And uh, Mikey took offense to this, went up and told our teacher, I don't remember her name, honestly. I do remember that we called her Miss Boogers. Um, I don't know, we were in kindergarten, that's what you do. And... Um, and so he goes up, tells Miss Boogers that I've said a bad word, and uh, she calls me to the front. And did anybody grow up with green light, yellow light, red light in the class? Show of hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you. Okay. For those of you that don't know, green light, if your name was on green light, that meant that you had good behavior. Yellow light meant you lost like 15 minutes of recess. Red light meant no recess. It's over for you, right? So Miss Boogers calls me to the front, and she's like, hey, look, did you really say this? And I said, look, I, I may have a foul mouth, but uh, I'm honest. And I said, yes. Um, I did say that. She's like, all right, look, you're going to yellow light, which I was pretty frustrated by. But I learned my lesson. I walked back and I sat down. I said, it's bull hunky that you're a tattletale, Mikey. <laughs> so he ran up, told her again, and I immediately went to red light, missed all of recess. Like, as a parent, I don't understand why she didn't get on to Mikey. Like, <laughs> like, why does she not laugh at that and be like, Mikey, stop being a tattletale. I think that that's a better lesson for Mikey in life. Snitches get stitches, you know? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think ultimately, 
I think ultimately the, uh, the lesson that my kindergarten teacher was trying to teach me was that we got to be careful with what we say in life. We got to be careful with what we say. Our words have power. Husbands, you know that our words have power because like at the start of the night, you're thinking, hey, something might happen, you know, but then you say the wrong thing and I was like, nothing's happening for the next week. <laughs> our words have power. That... <laughs> That is where we're going, though, today. We're, we're talking about how our words have power here on this earth, and um, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. Y'all can go ahead and start opening up your Bibles there. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to head. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, get on your phone, please. Go ahead, because there's going to be a lot of scripture that's not up on the screen that I'm going to go through. Um, I'm in the New American Standard, 1995 version. Uh, whoop, whoop, and amen. Um, 1995, you know, all right, so whatever. Um, that's where I'm going to be, Genesis chapter 1. And as we get started, um, I have to preface all of this by saying, like, today's sermon is going to be essentially like uh, an owner's, uh, an operator manual for a computer, right? It says, like, hey, you just got a new computer, plug it in and push the power button and the power is going to turn on, right? Like, it doesn't go into, well, this microchip was made this specific way, and this is how it was made, and these are how all the connections work so that when you push the power button, it's going to turn on. Like, we don't have time for that, okay? But what we do have time for is I want to help you get your computer turned on and understand how your words have power here on this earth, okay? Genesis chapter 1. If you're new to Christianity, you're new to the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 is easy to get to because it's at the very front of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, it's the very beginning. That's a very good place to start. Um, thank you for that laughter. I appreciated that. That was supposed to be a subtle joke, and you got it. I appreciated it. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. Genesis chapter 1. Let, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. I, I'm going to cover a lot of scripture. You don't have to stand for all of it, but at least for the very beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, everybody say, then God said. Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called, everybody say, God called, God called. the light day. And darkness, he called, everybody say, he called, he called, night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Y'all can have a seat. All right, so as we start getting through Scripture here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to bullet point this real fast for you, Okay. And y'all go home and read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 because, like, this is almost like you could read Scripture in these first three chapters, and they're like those contracts that you sign online that you never really pay attention to, and, like, you could hit expand, you know, and then it gives you a whole lot more about it. So, like, chapter 1, verse 1, he says, in the beginnings, God created heavens and the earth. And then it's like you could click the expand button, and then it's like, okay, well, this is kind of how he did it, all right? And then you click the expand button again, and then it's like, okay, well, this is what really goes on in, in mankind and, and, and all of that, right? So, so keep that in mind, right? Chapters 1, 2, and 3, like, the rest of the, the Bible is all just encompassed in this. That's why I love 1, 2, and 3 so much. There's too much to learn that you could possibly learn before you get off of this earth, all right? 
Now, I'm just going to bullet point some of this. Verse 3, then God said, verse 5, he called and he called. Okay, so God said, let there be light. He creates light from nothing. Then he calls it something. He calls it day. Okay, then he calls the darkness night. Verse 6, then God said, everybody say, then God said. Verse 8, God called. Everybody say, God called. Verse 9, then God said. Verse 10, God called. All right, are y'all, like, I know it's a little early still. Do y'all get, like, there's a pattern that we see here? Then God said, then God called. Then God said, then God called. Okay? What happens here is every time God says something, something is created from nothing. Okay? Then God calls it something. He identifies it. He creates it, and then he calls it. He creates it, and then he identifies it. Okay, we can see that all throughout here. Then God said, verse 9, God called. Then God said, then God called. Then God said, then God called. Okay, here we go. Next, next piece to this. All right, I'm going to go to uh, verse 11. Okay. Uh, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed after uh, seed and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind. Everybody say, after their kind. After their kind. Let's go to verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them. Guess what's next? After their kind. Okay. Let's go over to uh, verse 21. Uh, God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind. Everybody say, after their kind. And every winged bird after its kind. Mm, okay. So this is interesting. We're seeing a pattern. God said... Then God called. Then what happens to whatever he said and called? Then it starts reproducing after its kind. Okay? Verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. See, God is, God is establishing here in chapter 1. There's a pattern to life and what is, what, what is happening next. We can guess what's going to happen next. Then God said... Let us make man, check it out, in our image, according to our likeness. If we follow the pattern, God said, then God called, God said, then God called, each thing producing after its kind. What kind is human formed after? The God kind. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man, God calls him man, calls him Adam in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. All right, this is really neat. So God said, then God called everything until he gets to the animals. Then he creates man. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 18. All right, so he sees that it's not good for man to be alone, which men, you all agree, it's not good for a man to be alone. All right. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. God said... He created everything from nothing. But then what does he expect the kind that was made after him to do? Call things. 
start to identify what the things are. He said, look, I have created mankind, male and female. I've created them, right? I've created them so that they could be after the God kind. And they have a very specific purpose. God creates everything from nothing. It's not our job to create something from nothing, but it is our responsibility to call the things what they are supposed to be identified as. So, we're going to keep reading. Uh, Brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. That was how it was identified. To us, a cow is a cow. Like, we don't care. Right? But to Adam and God, co-laboring in this creation, now all of a sudden, whenever the cow is brought to, to Adam, before it is named, Adam then has the ability to say, you are being identified as a cow. That is going to be your future from now until eternity. You are now identified. You are called what you will be. That is your identity. When nothing was found suitable for him, God had to fashion woman from a rib, from man. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Then man, then the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. This is not accidental how they worded this stuff, right? It's very intentional. The man called her woman. He identified her, which if you look at the translation, it's just the opposite. It is the helper that was designed for man. The opposite of man is woman, and they are supposed to work together. Man and woman, by the way, in original creation, that's the only way that you can uh, return to God's original perfect creation of man. That man and woman partner together. So apart, you don't have the perfect creation of God. God created man, and the only way to create a perfect, suitable helper for, from him was to pull something from him, and now they are two pieces pulled out of one. The only way that they can be one piece, one flesh, is to be put back together. Adam calls her identity as woman. This is important. That is her name. That is her identity. That is her function on the earth. But let's go on to chapter 3. Chapter 3 comes. Eve takes a bite of the fruit that she's not supposed to take a bite of. Yes? I get it. Adam also did as well. She was the one that took the first bite. This is important. Because before this, death was not in the picture at all. Death wasn't there. Death was not on the earth. She took a bite of the fruit. She welcomed death into the earth. She welcomed sin and tragedy into the earth. Yes, both of them did. Together they did. But she took the first bite. Adam, I think, is emotionally uh, uh, intelligent enough to see what has happened here. And let's go to uh, verse 20. This is after they realize everything that's happened and God has explained it all to them. Now the man called his wife's name Eve. He changes her name from woman to Eve. Whenever she was woman, there was no need to differentiate between anything else except himself. 
You are the helper that was created opposite of me so that we can be together and be God's perfect creation together. That was, that was the extent of the name because that's all that she had to be identified as. Whenever she took a bite of the fruit, now all of a sudden, she welcomes death and sin and tragedy into this. What is her name? Her name is Eve. Why? Because she is the mother of all the living, not of the dead. Of all of the death that she welcomed into the world, she will not be identified by that death. Adam says, there's need now to re-identify who you are. I will call you something different because you are not going to be known as birthing death into this world. You will be known for all of the life that you contribute to this world. Some of us in here need a name change. Our, our words have power, and we have been created after the God kind, not to create something new, but to take what's in front of us, and we determine what we will call it. And then that will be its identity, until we change the name. See, there's, there's power in our words that we don't fully understand. And science, I love science, it, it's been trying to catch up to what God has created for years and years and years. Right? Science is just now figuring out some of the stuff that's been in the Bible for a long time. Right? And, and that's, that's kind of the way that it is with, um, with our words. And, and, and so science, unfortunately, falls short because it, it just takes into account the physical. And, and, and here's what I mean. Like, okay, so has, anybody understand what the law of attraction is? You've heard the law of attraction? Show of hands, a few of you. Okay, yeah, 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 good amount of you. Law of attraction. For those of you that, that haven't, you might be more associated with the term good vibes. Everybody else, you've heard good vibes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm feeling summer vibes, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know what that is, and I don't know why I did that motion. It was fun. <clears throat> yeah, so good vibes, where that comes from, um, it's actually talking about vibrational energy. Um, every single person here, uh, we, every living thing, everything on earth vibrates um, at different frequencies, okay? Uh, it, for you, you have an electromagnetic field. It's your bioelectromagnetic field. Um, and you vibrate at different frequencies. Every organ in your body vibrates at a different frequency, making up one unified overall uh, electromagnetic field that is around your body. And um, what's interesting about that, I think, is uh, you know, you hear about people that can see your aura and stuff. Well, it's actually like uh, you are trained to see people's electromagnetic field. It's not some spiritual thing. Uh, it's actually a birth defect uh, where you can see people's electromagnetic fields, uh, which is really fascinating. And your electromagnetic field can change based off of your emotions. Uh, scientists have been studying this for a long time. If, if you're stressed, your electromagnetic field is going to change. If you're happy, your electromagnetic field is going to change. That's what I love about hugs. Like, we see these memes and stuff online where it's like, you know, a hug for 20 seconds is going to change a person's, you know, genetic makeup or something like that. Well, look, the, the science behind that is actually really interesting. Right? This is, I love hugs. I love hugs. I'd rather hug somebody than shake your hand. Right? And that's mostly because of bacteria. But <laughs> I, I do, I, I love hugs. But the thing is, is like if someone's having a bad day and you go to hug them, you are literally affecting their electromagnetic field. Your electromagnetic field is intercepting their electromagnetic field, and you are changing the course of that person's physical abilities. That's science, that's not spiritual. That's just science. You can change the way that someone's vibrations are, 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 are being affected by how you interact with that person's vibrations. 
But like good vibes, okay, so there's a, there's a difference. And it's a scientific difference. I, for a second, I, I'm not even going to talk spiritual for you, okay? This is just science. As I speak out loud, I can change the vibrations of everything that's around me. Because there are vibrations from my voice that affect the vibrations that you are all participating in. Okay? And, and the science behind this, like Ikea was made famous for this, but um, people give Ikea crap over, the, over this experiment. Ikea didn't come up with it. They're just replicating what scientists have been doing for a few years now. They, they took two plants and they put them inside of a school and it was like part of a stop bullying campaign. And so they put it in a glass case and they had a speaker in each one. One was just saying bad things to the plant over and over and over again, negative things over and over and over again. And in the other one, it was speaking all positive things over and over and over again. Scientists can't fully explain why it happens. They just understand that it does happen. And the plant that was spoken negatively to for 30 days withered and died. The one that was spoken positively to thrived and flourished. Scientists don't understand it. They do understand that it works, though. They do understand that, that the audible vibrations that are coming out determine the future of the thing that the vibrations are affecting. That's just science. Here's what good vibes are. That's nothing. Good vibes, okay, I actually Googled, how do I send good vibes? <laughs> I was interested in this. I'm like, how do you send good vibes to somebody? True story, and they've got all kinds of different steps that all say the exact same thing. It's like 10 steps on how to send good vibes, but they're all the exact same, just your, your body position is different. All right, so you could have like crystals, or you could just be sitting, or whatever, but ultimately, good vibes, you just close your eyes and you think, right? Mel, I'm sending good vibes to you right now. That's it. I hope you received them. <laughs> you think about it. You're, you're thinking about your vibrations going somewhere else. That's not scientific. I don't care about the spiritual right now. That doesn't play in science. It doesn't work. But in science, I can speak positive things over Mel. I can speak that he's going to have the most successful uh, auction business in the entire world. That is going to have some sort of physical, scientific effect on his life. But that's where the enemy wants you to keep it. See, good vibes, whenever you say, hey, I'm sending you good vibes, like 95%. I'm gonna, I, I put 95% because there's 5% that like really mean something by it. But the 95% of people that say, hey, I'm sending you good vibes, what that means is, is, man, I feel bad for you, but not bad enough to do anything about it. That's what that means. There's 5% that it means more than that to them, okay? You might be a part of that 5%. But look, as Christians, we don't send good vibes. Number one, it doesn't even make sense physically. Number two, it doesn't make sense spiritually. It doesn't do anything. And, and scientifically, the enemy would love for us to stay in that space of it's just science. So the law of attraction would tell us that beyond just thinking good things, now we're going to speak them. We're going to speak whatever we want to come back to us, whatever we want to attract back to us. So we are speaking vibrations out into the world so that then all of those things the universe is going to uh, 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 have resonant frequency with 
and it will then come back to us. The problem is, is there are poor people all over the world that are saying, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich, and they die poor. That doesn't work. There is something to it. I'm sure, look, I get the whole mental side of your reticular activating system and how you start to pursue things in a different way because you're speaking it. I get all of that, but the sheer science of just speaking things out and it coming back to you does not work scientifically. Spiritually, if we stay in the science only, the enemy has stripped us of all power. The enemy has stripped us of all power. Here's the thing. We were called to rule and reign not only just over uh, the beasts of the earth, all the, the birds in the sky and uh, all the creeping things that creep on the ground, but he said to rule and reign and subdue the earth. Like, we're commanded to call things everywhere. We're commanded to shift the literal atmosphere, the physical earth that we sit on. Whenever we speak with the supernatural God kind of trait that's been put inside of us, we change the physical and the spiritual reality of, uh, of everything that's around us. We change it. Now, some people will be like, oh yeah, well, I've prayed for somebody that got that for healing and they didn't get healed right away. Well, yeah, sometimes it's not an overnight thing, right? Just because you're impatient, don't blame God. Check this out. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 51. Jeremiah 51. It's somewhere a little bit past the middle of the Bible, past Isaiah. All right, so Jeremiah has just received this prophecy uh, from God, and um, it's very long. Uh, it's, it's, it's this whole rebuke against Babylon and all of these bad things that are going to happen to Babylon. And he writes it all down on a scroll. Now watch this. This is, man, I think this is one of the most fascinating verses in all of the Bible. Then Jeremiah, I'm in chapter, chapter 51, verse 61. Then Jeremiah said to Sariah, that's his servant, as soon as you come to Babylon, then see that you read all these words aloud. Okay, so every time that Jeremiah is speaking to someone, we see who he's speaking to. Jeremiah spoke to the king, this and that, right? He spoke to this person, this and that. In this verse, he's not telling him to talk to anyone. He didn't say, go to the king of Babylon or go to the city that's in Babylon, go to this village, go to these people. He doesn't say any of that. He says, no, as soon as you step foot into the territory of Babylon, I want you to say all of the words of prophecy that are written on this scroll. Then if you go on, he says, as soon as you're done reading them out loud, throw this into the river. Why? Because whenever we line ourselves up with the God kind of trait that's inside of us, and we do what God has told us to do, and we physically speak out loud something, we change the atmosphere and the course of, of events for everything that's around us whenever we speak to that. Whenever we call the situation something, it then has to respond. There is a supernatural element to this. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to or not. It doesn't matter. You have to face a reality at some point that there is the physical. That's science. We know that there is science behind the vibrational effect of your words being spoken out loud over somebody. We know that. But if you're a Christian, you also understand there's a supernatural effect that happens. 
And when God comes into the equation and you start using your God kind of ability, it doesn't matter if you're trying to speak the words of God or not. The words of God, when they are called forth by humankind, by the God kind, now future events start to take place and you can't stop it. Check it out in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I'm going to read off of the screen. We're going to read about Caiaphas. Caiaphas uh, was a high priest at the time. He was not for Jesus. He was not for Jesus. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor are you taking into account that it is in your best interest that one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish instead. He is prophesying the salvation message right here. And he doesn't care about Jesus. He doesn't like Jesus. He wants Jesus to die. But whenever the God kind starts calling for things, you can't stop it. 51. Now, he did not say this on his own, but as he was high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. He prophesied the salvation message that that Jesus was going to die and save the whole world. Save everyone who would call on the name of Jesus. There's something supernatural that you can't stop. And it's not that we are creating something from nothing, right? That's God's, that's God's job. But what we are doing is there is something inside of us that when we open our mouths, you are activating your God kind of trait and calling things in a way that identifies them not just as they are today, but what will happen in the future. And... and like, if we were to wrap our heads around this, whatever situation that you're in, Brandon, I'm going to use you. Brandon on the front row, all right? So, Brandon is using his God kind of trait, whatever the situation is in front of you. Just imagine for a second, the, the whole supernatural world understands the power and the trait that God has put inside of you, and everyone in this room wouldn't even come close to comparing to how many uh, supernatural entities are waiting for you to call the situation that you're in. On one side, you have the angelic realm, God's realm uh, of, of the heavenlies that are, that are waiting. It says that his angels have been given charge concerning you. They execute the missions for you. They help you in the process. So you have on one side, you have all of these angels and the Holy Spirit waiting for you to call this situation in their favor. They're waiting for you to give them marching orders. But on the other side, you also got to keep in mind, there's another half to this spiritual world. There is also a host of enemy powers that are also waiting for you to use your God kind of trait and call it the wrong thing so that they can have their marching orders. This is reality. This is the reality that we face. And, and the, the goal here for us is not to walk on eggshells like we're superstitious of everything that comes out of our mouth, 
but it should be a weight and a responsibility that we hold on to very tightly and understand fully that this is a God kind of trait, that our mouth is a tool that is used to give marching orders to one side or the other for every situation that we're in. So practically, how does this work? Practically, how does this work? We, the, the, the way that we need to be able to operate in this, right? Uh, in a room this size, there's a lot of people that would say that they are anxious. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. The, look, if you've been saying, I'm an anxious person. I, I just, I deal with anxiety all the time. I, that's just part of me. I, I've, just, I've always been anxious. I'm, I'm just, I just have anxiety. Okay. Here's the way that this works practically for you. You change it and you call it something else. You say, I have been experiencing anxiety, right? I, look, I'm not asking you to be dishonest with yourself. I'm not asking for you to lie to yourself and say, I'm joyful all the time. That, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is to stop identifying yourself by anxiety. That is not an identifying marker on your life. Anxiety is not you. Stop calling it part of you. That is something that you've had to deal with, sure. Maybe that's something that you've dealt with this morning, sure. But you are called and created and fashioned by God. You are just waiting for the next download of joy. That's what you are. You are sanctified saints. You, 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 are, you are the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And guess what? It goes back and forth. It's this, it's this, it's this repositioning, re-identifying, recalling the situations in your life. I am not depressed. I've experienced depression. I, we're not kidding ourselves here. Bad stuff happens and we deal with bad stuff. I'm not suicidal. I have dealt with suicidal th thoughts in my life. I'm not an alcoholic. I've had issues with alcohol in my life. I have been addicted to things in my life. I have been battling addiction through today. I don't, I don't know what it is for you. And I understand. Um, I, I was very politely approached by someone um, after last service. And CR and Alcoholics Anonymous, great programs. Great programs. Okay, I, nothing against those programs. The, the one issue that I have, and it's a personal thing, and, and, and the person approached me and they were like, look, you know, it's not like that. You know, it, it's to set good boundaries and all of this. I get it and I'm good with all the good boundaries and, and I respect that 100%. I personally, this is my personal opinion only, I hate that they require you to call yourself an addict or an alcoholic. I don't, I just don't like it. Personal opinion only. I understand the reasoning behind it. It's to establish boundaries and stuff. As the, as the called sanctified saints that you are, you are no longer a sinner. You are no longer an addict. You still need boundaries in your life. If you have been an alcoholic, you definitely don't need to be going to a bar. You definitely don't need to be going to parties where there's a bunch of drinking or anything like that. Right? You have to have boundaries. But I also need you to understand 
what you call yourself has bearing on the identity of your future as well. Because there is a host of supernatural beings waiting on the God kind of words to come out of your mouth. Waiting for their marching orders. And, and you can be honest with yourself and change what you call the situation that you're in. Sure, it's the situation that's already there. We're not looking for you to create some new situation. We're looking to change the future of what you're calling the situation. And we've prayed for people. Look, I've prayed for my wife, man, like a long time now, months and months and months. I prayed for my wife for healing. Is she 100% restored? No, she's not yet. Not yet. She is being restored right now in Jesus' name. She is being healed right now in Jesus' name. And, and, and some people are like, well, but we've prayed for people and they've died. Well, I get that too. I've prayed for people and they've died. And I called them healed, the healed and restored of God. And we didn't see it play out on this side of heaven. Like I said, I, there, there's so much to this supernaturally. It's beyond what we could cover in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sermons. It's beyond that. But just because something didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, in this case, doesn't mean that you get rid of everything else. You know what I'm saying? I think Somebody needs to hear this. Childlike faith is just knowing that it works. Even when it didn't work like you thought that it would this time. Just because you didn't get the bicycle when you were six and you asked for it for Christmas and it didn't come, didn't mean that you stopped asking your parents for anything else. I, I don't know, that sounds weird, but that's for somebody. You didn't stop asking your parents for stuff because it didn't work out the way that you thought that it would. I'm just telling you based off of science alone, what you call things will affect its future. Then you add the spiritual component and what you call things will send marching orders to assist in that future. Let's start calling things and changing identities of situations. We can start that today. And instead of sending good vibes, let's just pray for people out loud. No more good vibes. And instead, if you, don't, if you don't know how to pray for somebody, somebody's sick, super simple. I don't know what to say except, in Jesus' name, be healed. I don't know what else to say except, in Jesus' name, be healed. That's a good audible prayer. That affects reality for somebody. You really don't know what to say because somebody just experienced the death of a family member 
There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus sends peace that surpasses all of our understanding. And you don't know what else to say? I don't know what else to say except I know Jesus. And I just speak Jesus over you. The name of Jesus, that's all that I can give you right now. Speaking the name of Jesus over someone, just that simple. It changes, it changes the world around you. Let's go be world changers this week. Go change the, the actual physical atmosphere around you. Use your God kind of ability and call new identities. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. I don't know why this is important. I'm just gonna speak and trust that I'm hearing the Lord. Um, it was a blue bike that you wanted. I know this might be awkward. If, that was, if that's you, if that was you, would you raise your hand? Okay, amen, thank you. Whew. The blue bicycle, man. Jesus is doing something. out of this moment eyes eyes closed just I just pray that the spirit of God would would release the burden from you from you all this isn't just for that one person this is for all of you this is for all of you the reality that you've been calling something over your life and pieces are starting to, to fit together as to you, you started seeing whenever you called it that for the first time and you saw all of the dominoes fall after that this is not a message of condemnation it is not a message of condemnation I'm sorry if it came across that way to you this is a message of release Adam first named her woman when the situation changed and he realized there needed to be a change. He changed her name. You have that ability. Do not feel a spirit of burden on you right now. Feel the spirit of release. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to declare liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. This is not some sort of other chain that is being put on you. It is not. It is a chain that is being removed from you. I need you with your eyes closed to see whatever that chain is. Let it be removed right now by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Remove it right now. It's being lifted right now in Jesus' name. The Lord is giving you power by his Holy Spirit to go out 
and start calling things and use your God kind of ability to change the course of your future. It's not just science. It's not superstition. There is real power being released inside of you right now. And you are going to start changing your future and you're going to mark today as the day that your future changed. Not because of Momentum Church or anybody here, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus' name on your life. That name has been put on you and it will not be removed in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.